You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. I believe that I am eternally secure as I abide in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 15, he said he uses this analogy. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. So, I think that my eternal security that I believe in hinges upon my continuing to abide in Christ. If a person is abiding in Christ, they can't continue in sin without reservation or change. You can't encounter Him on a heart level and remain unchanged. He transforms you from the inside out. As long as you live in this broken world, you'll encounter sin and sometimes you'll stumble into it. But you won't be okay staying in that place. As Pastor Mike will explain in today's message, Jesus will continuously lead you out of sin into a life of freedom that glorifies Him in righteousness. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 as he begins his message, A Full Mind But Empty Heart. In chapter 2, we've been dealing with the subject of these false teachers, the heresies that they had uh, brought into the, the church, the destructive effect that it had upon them, upon the, the, the people within the church, as well as those who were uh, advancing those teachings. And uh, we're going to continue along those lines. And notice the way that uh, Peter describes them here for us, here in our text. We're in 2 Peter chapter 2, and verse 20. He says, for after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Father, we pray now that you bless our time together. God, as we treat this one verse of Scripture, but God, there's so much uh, contained within it uh, for our uh, learning. So, Lord, help us to learn all of those lessons. Help us to heed all of the warnings. God, we thank you for providing this opportunity for us. Bless now, God, give us ears to hear what the Spirit, the great teacher, uh, would say to our church this evening. God, we thank you again. Bless now, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, this verse 20 reminds me of another verse uh, where Jesus was speaking. It's recorded first in Luke's Gospel in chapter 9 and verse 62 where Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, 
is fit for the kingdom of God. So Jesus here in this verse makes it quite clear that is that it is extremely dangerous to make a profession of faith only to regress later and to turn back to the former way of life and sin. You see, this is the evil that Peter is warning us against here in this uh, section as he draws our attention once again to these false teachers who obviously, according to our text, it's implied here, who had a knowledge of Christ and salvation, but who went back to the old paths of sin and unbelief. And the consequences of their going back, notice what it says there in our uh, verse 20, their latter end is worse with them than their beginning. So as I've already mentioned, it seems as if those who Peter is drawing our attention to this evening, these false teachers once again, that they have been uh, saved. And it's indicated there in the first part of verse 20. Let's go over that once again. It says, For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it seems then to denote that they were Christians. But notice the fact they had only a knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, knowledge, gang, uh, about Jesus and the way of salvation is just simply not a enough to save. You know, notice also the phrase there in verse 20, they escaped the pollutions of the world. That is, they stood in the verge of deliverance. That is, if they would have only responded to the knowledge that was provided them by uh, God and his word, they would have been saved but rather receiving Christ into their hearts and lives, they professed salvation and pretended to be Christians. And then later on, they had rejected the truth altogether and they turned back into uh, sin. So that kind of raises the question, and I know it's a controversial one, but nevertheless, is it possible to be saved and go back to sin? And I think personally, the question, the answer to that question is yes. And it is a regrettable uh, situation. Now, someone may be thinking at this point, well, Pastor Mike, don't you believe in eternal uh, security? And I would respond to uh, that question by saying, absolutely, uh, yes. I believe that I am eternally secure as I abide in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said in John's Gospel in chapter 15, he, said, he uses this analogy. He says, I am the vine you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. So I think that my eternal security that I believe in hinges upon my continuing to abide in Christ. So listen, if a person is truly born of the Spirit of God and is abiding in Christ, is controlled by the Spirit, I believe that he will stay away from a sin. He will continue in uh, sin. Notice I didn't say that he will never sin again, uh, but I don't think that he will continue in sin. And, uh, you know, the reason for that is that God makes himself irresistible uh, to us. That is, as we learn of him, as we make that commitment to learn of him. Jesus told us, he instructed us to learn of him. And how do we learn of him? Well, we learn of Jesus through our own personal experience and walking with him. But more than anything else, I think that we 
understand and learn something about who Jesus is through the study of the Word. Because the Word of God is all about God's dealings with a man. And, uh, and it's there that we learn something about the love of God, the provision of God, the protection of God, and, and etc. And all, all of those wonderful uh, experiences walking with the uh, Lord. But Peter tells us here, notice, they were again entangled therein and overcome. So obviously they weren't abiding in Christ nor his word. Sin was their master and it was controlling their lives. Now, folks, this is not the Christian experience. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, in verse 9, all of these have to do with God keeping us from uh, sin. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 9. He will keep the feet of his saints. What a wonderful and precious promise. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 24, there we are told, Faithful is he who calls you, who will also uh, do it. And then the book of Jude. Uh, it's only one chapter. But in verse 24, there we read, Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the Father with exceeding joy. Listen, gang, the Lord will uphold us. He will transform our lives. Put grace in our hearts. That's the blessed assurance. We use that phrase, blessed assurance. That's what it looks like. That's what it's all about. Listen, I trust none of us are like those of whom Peter is writing, who had a knowledge of Christ, but did not possess Christ. A full mind, but an empty heart. And that's where we get the title of this evening's message from. So, is there any hope for those kinds of individuals? Well, yes, there is. In the book of Romans, in chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, we're saying exactly what God the Father has said about His Son, Jesus Christ, as it is recorded for us in the Word. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He came and died in our place upon the cross. So if we confess that and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto uh, salvation. So believe in your heart. It's a matter of the heart. And by believing you will receive deliverance from sin, as well as the power to live and walk in the Christian way of life. You know, there's this story about Michelangelo and his sculpted masterpiece, uh, David. And uh, by the way, I had an opportunity. My, my daughter, Jessie, uh, went to the University of Pepperdine out in Southern California, and uh, she studied one semester abroad in Florence, Italy. And we happened to visit her there for a week uh, while she was studying in Florence, and we visited some of the sites. And uh, we actually went into uh, the uh, Academia Museum there in Florence, where Michelangelo's masterpiece, David, is uh, housed. And so we had an opportunity to see it first handedly. And it was just a wonderful experience. And uh, so anyway, the story goes like this. And this is how this sculpture had actually come about. An immense block of Carrera marble stood in a cathedral courtyard uh, in Florence, Italy. An inexperienced sculptor had blocked it out carelessly and ruined it for the statue he had planned. 
too costly to destroy, too tremendous to move, and thought too imperfect for use, it lay unused for nearly 100 years. Then in the year 1501, Michelangelo, the famous young Italian artist, was chosen to fashion and perfect the statue, which was to have been called the giant. Carefully, he measured the block of marble, taking special note of the injuries, concluding that he would have to make a tall, thin figure. As he thought of Bible heroes, he suddenly knew that he wanted to portray David, the young shepherd lad who was a giant, not in stature, but rather in faith. Quickly, he began to sketch, planning to utilize every possible inch of the huge marble block. He had a shed built over the stone, and soon the sound of his chisel could be heard morning, noon, and night. And after three years of almost continuous labor, Michelangelo's David was completed, towering 18 feet high and weighing nine tons. It was magnificent in every line, one of the great master's greatest works. Now, one of Michelangelo's own students, on seeing it, cried out in wonder, Master, it lacks only one thing, and that is speech. In other words, it looks so alive. A masterpiece of art was created from a rejected block of marble. Listen, this is a wonderful story, but it is pale in comparison to what God does in the life of a person who fully trusts Jesus for their redemption. And there will not be a permanent regress to sin on that person's part. You'll keep going forward. You'll continue to grow in grace. You'll, there'll be a greater desire within you to want to please and to obey the Lord. So, don't be like these false teachers who searched after the truth, and after finding it, they did not act upon it. And as a result, they were worse off than they had been before. They knew the truth. Let me give you a cross-reference for this. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 10, verses 26 through 29, it says, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a certain fearful expectation of judgment. That's all that a person, you know, has to look forward to, and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. And then the writer, who I believe is Paul, draws a comparison, and then he goes on to declare, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, and then of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? So the comparison there uh, that uh, he provides uh, for us in that uh, text of Scripture. So if one receives the truth and then rejects it, there is no promise of hope, only eternal judgment, because that individual has been guilty of trampling upon the blood of Jesus. You know, think about it. God has made us by design to enjoy Him. We're empty apart for him, from Him. There is this place within the human heart for Him by a design. 
So before Christ, there is this void. There is this emptiness. And if we don't give him that proper place within our hearts, the end result, uh, the end result will be eternal uh, separation from God. Eternal separation from his love, from his grace. But here's the problem. People have no thought for the future. For many, final retribution for sin is a ridiculous thing. They live for this life alone. Eat, drink, and be merry is their banner. It's the same philosophy of the Greek, Greek Epicureans who, who believed that the chief purpose of life was seeking fleshly uh, pleasures. Listen, I fear people are more concerned about eating and drinking than dying. So, this is some serious stuff. Death is inevitable. And after death, outside of Christ, all there is is endless misery and torture. This is something to take very uh, serious. Gang, millions of people know about Christ, the message of the cross, but have made no plans beyond the grave. Don't be like them. You know, it's amazing to me. We plan day in and day out for the few short years, relatively speaking, that we are here upon the earth. You know, we make plans for our career, our family, vacations, and I'm not suggesting that those things aren't, you know, important, but they're certainly not as important as making plans for eternity. You know, this reminds me of a story that's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel. It's one of those parables. It's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter uh, 12. And there we are introduced to this rich, unbelieving farmer. So Luke's Gospel in chapter 12, in verses 16 uh, through 21. So Luke 12, if you turn there with me, verses 16 through 21. Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my old barns and build new barns, greater barns. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be? which you have provided. And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So let me ask you this question. Are you wise in the eyes of men, but a fool in the eyes of God? Well, listen, if so, repent and turn to Christ before it's too late. Acknowledge your sinfulness. Claim his forgiveness. Listen, don't be satisfied with just a knowledge, a head knowledge about Jesus Christ. By faith, receive him into your heart and be assured of eternal life. Verses 21 and 22. For it would have been better for them, these false teachers, not to have known the way of righteousness. Notice which suggests that at one time they did know the way of righteousness. They did know the, the truth. They had heard the gospel. Uh, then having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, D.L. Moody, 
the great American evangelist in the 1800s, used to tell the story of a mother who bore a severely handicapped child whom she loved very much. Caring for this child, especially as he grew, and it was extremely demanding. But after 14 years of unselfish living, she was heard to say, I have never considered anything I have done as a labor or a sacrifice. I've been faithful and I love my child with my whole heart. But then she went on to declare, but there's this one thing that distresses me immensely and it's breaking my heart. My child doesn't even know me. I am no different than anyone else. There is no response to my love. Now listen, what parent cannot understand the hurt of this broken-hearted mother? This is the story of one-sided love, which produces, of course, grief and distress. Well, anyway, that's exactly what's going on here within the church at this time when Peter was writing his epistles. You see, it was a matter of one-sided love as far as these false teachers were concerned. Listen, with unending devotion, Jesus showered his love upon these unbelievers, these false teachers that were within the church. And yes, they were within the church. They were members of this congregation at one time, but they weren't true believers. Notice the way that Peter refers to this in verse 13 of chapter 2, when notice he says, that they feast uh, with you. In other words, they had received all of what the believers had received, uh, all of the privileges, the teaching of God's Word, the instruction of the Word of God. And, and, and isn't that what really the church is all about? It's a refuge. It's a fortress. It's a place where God provides for His uh, people. It's a place where God's people are Im immersed in the truth. That is the truth of the gospel. So think about it. He made the message of salvation clear and comprehensible uh, to them, these false teachers, but there was no lasting response to his uh, grace. It was one-sided love. Gang, I'm afraid the same is true of some in our day. We have heard the truth, we know the truth, but rather than allowing God's word to impact us, change us, we reject it. And so Peter warns us against this very thing. Notice what he, uh, he says again. Let's go back to our text in verse 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, the Bible seems to suggest that there will be severe punishments meted out in eternity even as there will be greater rewards meted out in eternity on the basis of the faithfulness in the ways that we've used the, uh, the resources, the opportunities that God has given to us to further His kingdom. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house As we study the book of 2 Peter together, we pray it has encouraged you to mature in your faith. Growing in any capacity can be both exciting and difficult, but always necessary. One way to grow is to tune into programs like this. Great job! 
You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on media via Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening service, so everyone has a chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Pastor Mike has much more to share from the book of 2 Peter, so be sure to join us again next time right here on In My Father's House.